Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. As we continue to watch the primary elections play out today, it's one of those where you've heard me say, here's the new boss, same as the old boss. And we're sort of seeing that on both the Democrat and Republican side of the aisle that we we keep coming back to some of the same things. And one of the things that seems to be still playing out across the country is this whole populist message. It's gained foothold in today's political arena. It's part of a grievance mentality, and uh, it's making a a pretty big splash in this year's Republican primary elections as well as the Democratic uh, primary elections. Uh, It's interesting. On the the right, uh, the populist message of the right, of course, rails against the elite and the media and institutions like university. The left rails against millionaires and billionaires, blaming them for all of the economic inequality and problems that we have. And so we're going to turn to the uh, ultimate uh, expertise. This is the ultimate inside source, I think, Uh, one that we have not had on the program before. We are going to none other than The Simpsons. Yes, we are going to The Simpsons. And uh, Robert Reich Reich, uh, appeared on The Simpsons to explain sort of this whole populist economic inequality thing. It's sort of being it's kind of the theme of today's primary election day. Factories closed, unemployment with strike. Here to explain it is Robert B. Rice. The decline of unions, rampant corporate greed, Wall Street malfeasance, and the rise of short-sighted politics all contributed to increased economic inequality, widespread real unemployment, wage stagnation, and a lower standard of living for millions of Americans. They chopped salaries to raise stock prices, cut up the pie and kept all the slices. Tax breaks went to CEOs, never trickling down to every show. And so it came to pass. Greedy rich men kicked our fiddling while they burned our middle class. There you have it. That seems to be the theme for the primary elections of 2022. Uh, there's a host of things, a potpourri of things you could pick out of there from corporate greed uh, to short-sighted politics, you've got uh, increased inequality, unemployment, wage stagnation, inflation, lowered standard of living for all Americans, uh, and on and on and on it goes. And, and so it's really interesting to me. We sort of are having these wraparound primaries. And what I mean by wraparound primaries is you have populist messages being touted by candidates on the left and candidates on the right. And they're both selling this very populist message that you've been wronged, you should be angry and frustrated, and you need to you know, rail against the machine for whatever reason. And it's interesting how that's playing. In, in many places, it's not playing so well. I think the American people have realized that we are not a grievance nation. Uh, we do like to whine and complain a bit, but we're really about getting up, dusting off, and moving forward. And so that creates very interesting debates and battles. On the left, we talked earlier in the show about a Democratic primary in Texas where you have a candidate uh, endorsed by 
President Biden, uh, going up against a very populist, very left progressive. And how that plays out will be very interesting in terms of the messaging. We've also spoken about former President Trump and his impact on elections with his endorsements and the messages of different candidates. Uh, interesting, in the state of Georgia today, you actually have a, a very, very interesting battle in that you have former President Trump, uh, who has endorsed David Perdue for governor of the state of Georgia, and you have former Vice President Mike Pence, who has thrown his support behind Governor Brian Kemp, who's running for re-election. Uh, so these are really interesting things. So let's start with a little bit from the former vice president uh, campaigning last night uh, for uh, Brian Kemp. Because elections are about the future. Now, there are those who want to make this election about the past. Stacey Abrams and Joe Biden want Georgia to embrace the failed socialist policies of the last century. They want to stifle the liberties that generations of Americans have fought to defend. But you know the future belongs to freedom. And when you vote for Brian Kemp tomorrow, you will say yes to a future of freedom here in Georgia. So that's the former vice president weighing in. It looks like uh, Governor Brian Kemp is going to win handily. Uh, my guess is it'll be about 24 points. I think uh, he will win big uh, in Georgia against David Perdue. And again, that's uh, a very interesting split of the Republican Party. Also on the Republican ticket and uh, ballot today in Georgia is Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, and she is obviously far into the, the populist grievance message. And here's just a little bit of her during a debate uh, talking about the fact uh, that she may or may not get many committee assignments if she were to be reelected. So what I look forward to doing is when we take back the House, I'll have great committee assignments. Kevin McCarthy and leadership have already promised to them them to me, and we look forward to holding Democrats accountable for all the corruption and horrible things they've done in our country. So interesting that uh, that Representative Green has five Republican challengers, uh, including Jennifer Strahan, who is the probably the best funded of all of those challengers. Strahan told a local news outlet there in Georgia that Green simply has not been effective in Congress. We have to have a comprehensive view and we have to be able to push back on, again, the very progressive agenda items we're seeing. When you don't have relationships with colleagues, you can't do that. And that's, that hurts our district because we essentially do not have representation and we don't have an effective voice. So that's an interesting uh, juxtaposition there in terms of two of the candidates there in Georgia. Uh, one, a very pro-former uh, President Trump voice. Uh, one, the very populist message, and then Jennifer Strahan, one of those challengers, uh, who's focused very much on relationships, on the fact that we can disagree, that we can uh, have conversations across the aisle uh, and still hold to our principles. We can get together on things that matter and have compromise, and we can have vigorous debate, and we can call for accountability, uh, which is the way I think it ought to be anyway. And so as we watch all of this play out uh, in the next several hours, some of those results will start coming in uh, during Jeff Kaplan's afternoon news today. And we'll continue to monitor all of those, break it down, and see what the trends are in terms of the messaging. Uh, as uh, I've been saying throughout the day today, it's less about who did or did not get an endorsement from a president or a former president or a Hollywood movie star. Uh, it's about the message. 
And I actually loved the one thing that the former vice president said, uh, and that is the future belongs to freedom. And again, in politics, it's not about what was, it's not about what is, it's always about what's next. And can you sell a vision of that? Can you connect with voters and have them envision you on the floor of the House of Representatives or the floor of the Senate or in the state capitol? Can, can they see you there? And if they can see you there, what do they see you doing there? Are you going to use that institution as a performative place to see how many likes you can get on your social media or how many clicks or how many followers you can attract or how many cable news networks you can appear on? Or are you going to use that role, that elected role, by the will of the people to get something done in terms of policy that will have an impact in their world. I think it's interesting, just uh, if you missed our last segment, uh, talking to Angela Rashidi, uh, just talking about poverty and those that are working versus those that are not, and how do you create that glide path uh, away from government programs to help people get on that upward mobility uh, so they can live their own version of the American dream, not being treated like there's some liability to be managed, but that they're an extraordinary asset to be developed and deployed that can contribute or make a difference in the community they live in. Uh, those are the conversations we need to be having, uh, not who got endorsed or who appeared and who didn't appear on which outlet and so on. We, we have to get to a different kind. And guess what, folks? That's a we the people issue. Because what we validate will be repeated. And I'm going to say that again. (laughs) Whatever we validate as voters will be repeated. And so if we just keep rewarding rather than having accountability for performance, then, yeah, we sort of deserve what we get. And so we we have to stop looking at it Uh, in these all-encompassing ways or in these personality ways, these politician ways, that's how campaigns do it. But it's not about the campaign. Campaigning is actually quite easy. Governing is really hard. And that is why we have far too many, especially in Congress, who are perpetually campaigning. Much easier to have a fundraising email with a lot of anger, fear, and frustration than it is to govern, build a relationship, and get some policy passed. That wraps up hour number one of Inside Sources. Stay with us. More to come on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. 
Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.